This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. So today we are finishing off letter number 29 on the critical condition of Marcellinus. And this particular section from verses uh, 10 till the end uh, really is just Seneca giving his final remarks, getting a quote from Epicurus and giving that to us and, uh, and talking about what he takes away from it as well and interacting with uh, Epicurus's writings. Uh, and so what he's focusing on, particularly in these last few verses, is one of his favorite subjects of all, which is the mob. Should we learn to please the mob or should we learn how to be satisfied with our own goods uh, and to uh, not become crowd pleasers? I'm sure that you already know what Seneca is going to say about that. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm going to read this and uh, we'll see what we can kind of take away from these wise words. So he says, quote, If you had any shame, you would have let me off from paying the last installment. Still, I shall not be niggardly either, but shall discharge my debts to the last penny and force upon you what I still owe. And here's the quote from Epicurus. I have never wished to cater to the crowd. For what I know, they do not approve, and what they approve, I do not know. Who said this, you ask, as if you were ignorant whom I am pressing into service? It is Epicurus. But this same watchword rings in your ears from every sect. Peripatetic, academic, stoic, cynic. For who that is pleased by virtue can please the crowd? It takes trickery to win popular approval, and you must needs make yourself like unto them. They will withhold their approval if they do not recognize you as one of themselves. However, what you think of yourself is much more to the point than what others think of you. The favour of ennoble men can be won only by ennoble means. What benefit, then, will that vaunted philosophy confer, whose praises we sing and which, we are told, is to be preferred to every art and every possession? Assuredly, it will make you prefer to please yourself rather than the populace. It will make you weigh and not merely count men's judgments. It will make you live without fear of gods or men. It will make you either overcome evils or end them. Otherwise, if I see you applauded by popular acclamation, if your entrance upon the scene is greeted by a roar of cheering and clapping, marks of distinction only meet for actors, if the whole state and even the women and children sing your praises, how can I help pitying you? For I know what pathway leads to such popularity. Farewell. End quote. 
So there's just really so much to love in these few lines. You know, they inspire us. They they teach us about the purpose, the true purpose of philosophy. And they encourage us to walk along our own path where we are satisfied by, you know, the strength of our own character rather than needing to seek the approval of the multitude as we do, as we live our lives, right? And so there's really some interesting ideas here. And I think I want to go through and pick apart some of these lines one at a time. Uh, and kind of talk about what they, you know, how they inspire me, I guess, or what they teach me. So starting with that one from Epicurus, obviously, I have never wished to cater to the crowd for what I know they do not approve and what they approve I do not know. So just a beautiful way of Epicurus saying that, you know, the crowd and I were playing different games. You know, the philosopher should not be somebody who focuses first on how many people are listening to them, but rather they should be somebody who seeks a life of substance, who seeks to forage for, you know, wisdom and for virtue and for a path, a better path through life. And if people pay attention to them, it should be by the quality of their thinking and the quality of their life and of their character, not because they're doing something that appeases the crowd. And I think that this sort of wisdom is so necessary in a time like today where, you know, we really do live in an age where people are so desperate for celebrity. And what is celebrity? Celebrity is simply uh, the approval of the crowd, the, the, the mass crowd loving you and giving you their attention, right? Uh, but there's nothing really necessarily of substance in the archetype of celebrity, but so many people want that these days. And so they will go after celebrity before they go after the change or the transformation of their character. They will say what the crowd wants them to say. I mean, you see this all the time in politics. You see it all the time in, in universities even. You see it all the time. I mean, look, look on any social media and you will see what people are willing to do to get a few extra clicks. And it's it's quite shameful, really. It is, you know, that so many of us are falling into that trap these days of, of really just seeking the approval of the crowd before we stop and say, well, what am I actually doing to get that approval? And so Seneca goes on to expand on these thoughts. He says, for who that is pleased by virtue can please the crowd? It takes trickery to win popular approval, and you must needs make yourself like unto them. They will withhold their approval if they do not recognize you as one of themselves. So, very interesting idea. And I'm certainly not sure whether I kind of feel as cynically as Seneca does about the crowd or, you know, because uh, firstly, it, it's hard to uh, think about the world correctly when you're kind of lumping everybody into this kind of uh, big group, right? Uh, but nonetheless, the point that he's trying to get here is that perhaps, uh, you know, the philosophical way of life, the life of virtue, the life of wisdom isn't necessarily always going to be the thing that the crowd is searching for, right? And so if you're seeing seeking the approval of the crowd first, then you're probably going to, you're going to have to kind of become more like them in order for them to even recognize you as somebody they might approve of, right? Which means that you're going to be already corrupting your aims, right? When your aim should be virtue and wisdom and these sorts of good things, right? Uh, and so he's saying, don't be perverted, right? The, the, who, who can follow a life of virtue and still be approved of by the crowd? It's kind of an open question, right? And it's also interesting to think about how, you know, much of our Western culture is founded upon this story of, of 
Christ, for example, who comes along and is the most virtuous, most wise, you know, most benevolent. And and what happens? Well, the crowd doesn't approve of that very well. You know, they, uh, you know how that story ends. And so moving on, one of my favorite lines in, in these few verses, Seneca says, what you think of yourself is much more to the point than what others think of you. So again, bringing this idea to us that, you know, your character, who you are, is way more important than how many people approve of you. That's the goods of your soul that you're seeking, right? Not the goods of other people's approval and other people's applause. And I think that this is certainly an idea that is is necessary to, to wrestle with in your own life. You know, how much of your life do you, you know, make decisions that are based on kind of perverted aims, really? Uh, you know, Jim Rohn used to say, make sure that everything that you do is a product of your own conclusions. Make sure every decision you make is a product of your own conclusions, not the p- conclusions of the mob who will say, oh, this is good and this is good and so you should do this. No, what do you think? What do you think about your actions? What do you think about your character? What do you think you should do with your life? Make those decisions and live by truth and wisdom and virtue see what happens. You know, that's kind of the quest of philosophy is let's see what happens if I live a life of truth, wisdom, and virtue. Uh, Who knows? It's kind of an adventure that you might want to go on. So moving on, Seneca says, the favor of ennoble men can only be won by ennoble means, right? So the same idea as uh, you're going to reap what you sow, right? What you put out there is what you're going to get back. And if you're going out there and trying to trick the public into, uh, you know, gaining that celebrity status, or if you're only focused on uh, how you can go about getting more followers, subscribers, more people to watch you, more people to see what you're doing, or just even just bending to the will of other people instead of making up your decisions on your own and, and, and actually trying to discern the correct and most virtuous and wise path in life, all of these things, right, they're they're incorrect aims, they're perverted aims. And when you sow bad seeds, you're going to naturally reap a equally bad harvest. And in the context of what Seneca is saying, he's saying if you're going out there trying to win public approval by ennoble means, well, the kind of people who are going to approve of you are probably equally ennoble. And so the next thing that Seneca tries to teach us is, you know, what is this thing philosophy really for anyway? What benefit does this philosophy give us, uh, you know, which can help us with this situation? You know, he says that assuredly it will make you prefer to please yourself rather than the populace. Pleasing yourself, meaning uh, set your own standard of judgment for your character, right? Look at yourself first, as we've talked about before. Look at yourself first before you try uh, to get other people to watch you or to approve of what you are doing, right? Uh, So I really like that idea. Set to please yourself rather than the populace. And the next thing that he says about philosophy that I think is really noteworthy, uh, he says that it will make you weigh, not merely count, men's judgments. And I like this idea of weighing versus counting, right? Weighing means uh, inquire on their judgments and see whether their judgments have any substance, right? See whether their judgments do have any weight, right? Uh, Whereas counting really can't tell you much, right? So let's say you're in public view, right? Uh, And you say something that you believe to be true, useful, and wise, right? And you've discerned that you believe this to be true. And then let's say a hundred people 
disagree with you and they say you're wrong and we're angry at you for saying that, you know, especially pertinent information in a time like today where we do have this thing called cancel culture, right? We all know about this. Uh, now, let's say you look at those 100 people and your initial response is to say, oh my gosh, 100 people disagree with me. I better change the way that I think. I better change what I'm doing here, right? Now, that's actually kind of a reasonable way of doing things because you might assume that if 100 people say, hey, you're wrong and you need to think about the way that you're acting, right? Maybe there's going to be a little bit of fear there, but you could also look at that and say, okay, well, there is a bit of weight behind 100 people telling me I'm wrong. But what Seneca is saying here is don't get distracted by how many people, right, are, are judging you. Uh, focus more importantly uh, on what their judgments are. Weigh them, right? To weigh them means, uh, you know, to actually inquire into their judgments and see, is there any substance there? Is this useful information, right? Does their judgment make sense? And should it change the way I think or the way that I act? That's weighing their judgments, not counting how many judgments there are. And so basically Seneca finishes off this letter by uh, suggesting that if you do have the public approval and if everybody applauds at you and if, if everybody loves you and adores you, right, then he, he says, well, how can I help? but pity you, right? Because I know what it takes to get to that kind of place, right? And Seneca certainly did know that. He lived in a time where, you know, he I mean, he was the, the, the right-hand man to the Emperor Nero, right? Uh, you know, he was in high politics, right? And he knew what people had to do to gain the approval of the mob. And he probably saw them behind closed doors as well and saw that they were not necessarily the kind of people who should have the approval of the mob, right? Uh, and so really, Seneca is trying to say here that uh, what's more important, again, you know, we say this often in this episode, and we say this often throughout the uh, throughout the whole series, is your character is way more important, right, than how many people, uh, uh, you know, approve of you. Your character is so much more important. The path that you lead in life, right, that's way more important than how many people agree with you. And what you do is way more important than how many people see you do it. And with that said, I'm going to leave this episode here and I'll talk to you next time.